Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-fiving friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always have an amazing guest to introduce. Today, we're going to be talking to Alan Questel. He is known for his clarity, creativity, and down-to-earth style of teaching. He brings a depth of understanding, humor, and gentle human perspective while creating lively conditions for learning. Alan has taught thousands of people in 20 countries on five continents, trained by Dr. Felden. Christ. Uh, yep. He has created numerous programs on varied topics, including one for pregnant women, pregnant pauses. He is the author of Creating Creativity, Embodying the Creative Process, and most recently, Practice Intentional Acts of Kindness, which takes its readers through steps. And, nope. like, yourself more. and like yourself more. Oh, there you go. Okay. Of kindness. It isn't. Um, so oh, okay, practice okay. of it's intentional kindness of kindness and liking yourself like more. Yourself more. Okay. Love it. Um, it will show ways to embrace kindness in everyday life and provide the means to being kinder and generate more kindness towards yourself and others. Well, welcome to the podcast, Alan. Thanks very much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. So I always start by you kind of sharing how you got to do in the work you're doing today. Oh, well, which I can talk about two kinds of work. I can talk about the Feldenkrais method and I can talk about this book on kindness but they're kind of related. Okay. So uh, I got into the Feldenkrais method. I was an actor, and I hurt my back doing sit-ups the wrong way, and I got mm-hmm. better. And then I hurt my back again, wallpapering my acting teacher's bathroom. <clears throat> and he said, go see this Feldenkrais practitioner. I didn't know what it was. didn't make any sense to me. I went to a chiropractor and made it worse. And then I tried this Feldenkrais, which really puzzled me because the guy was barely touching me and it was so slow and I got up and I had no pain and I was mm. kind of shocked. And three days later, I was, I was I'm from New York originally and I was living there and I was driving on a road called the FDR Drive, mm. which is like a pinball machine for cars. Mm. And I noticed I wasn't getting angry when people mm. cut me off and I thought, what happened to me? And I realized that I thought it was related to the Feldenkrais lesson. And I went back again. I had no pain. And I was completely puzzled by it. And I thought, I bet I could do this part-time and pursue acting. And uh, I got into the last training that Dr. Feldenkrais taught. And it's a four-year course. And wow. I really didn't know what I was getting into. And mm-hmm. it finally led me to writing this book on kindness, actually. Mm. Is a, a bit of a segue, and, and how that happened was, um, I was creating a workshop around self-image, mm. and as I was investigating self-image, I thought it's really a reflection of how much I like myself or how much I don't like myself. Mm-hmm. So if I have a good self-image, I like myself. And if it's not so great, I don't like myself so much. And after a while, I started to think this is my job to help people like themselves more. And I would do it through the Feldenkrais method. And one of the ways I would do it is there's two parts to the method. One is a hands-on technique that people are fully clothed on a low table. And people come with orthopedic problems, neurological problems, 
professional actors, dancers, athletes, and anyone who wants to make a shift in their self-image and create more choice in their life. And then there's the classwork called Awareness Through Movement. And in that, the movements are very slow and gentle so that your attention can move through yourself to get a better understanding of how you're doing what you're doing. And I started posing the question to people. I said, I have a question while you're moving now. Are you moving in a way that you like the way it feels? Mm. And if the answer is yes, great. But if not, that's significant. That's something to pay attention to. Mm. And hang on. Sorry, something just popped up. That's okay. No worries. Take your time. Okay. So um, moving in a way that you like the way it feels. And I would say one of the biggest joys I've had from that was graduating a group in Australia after four years. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I gave them their certificate and a hug, I can't tell you how many of them whispered in my ear, I like myself for it. And it's kind of like a way of entering into liking ourselves through the back door because most of the time when we go about liking ourselves more, we do it by acquiring things whether it's a new haircut, a car, a new partner, a home, whatever it is. And those things are great. So it's Mm -hmm. not to diminish the value of those, but to realize that they're externally generated. Mm -hmm. So my interest became how can we more and more internally, internally generate a sense of liking ourselves. And then one day I did some simple act of kindness and I noticed in the next moment, I actually liked myself more. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's part of the connection because the way I was exploring it before was important for the intrapersonal within myself Mm -hmm. and others. And the act of kindness kind of brought it out into the world. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I got here. I love that. Oh, my goodness. How beautiful and what beautiful work. I think... I think this has been obviously something that for years and years and years, people struggle with the self-esteem or the self-image, but I think more than ever with so many different challenges that we've never endured before and um, different kind of aspects of people changing identity and these different things, people are really struggling. Now, I feel like more than ever to be bold and say that with this idea of how do I first figure out who I am, where's my identity and how do I like myself in that space? I think the work you're doing is ex- in immensely important today. Thank you. Well, it, it, more than anything, it keeps me engaged with the world. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's my mission you mm-hmm. know, that I found something that really gives me a focus and direction. It's yeah. great. I love that. And I love that you highlighted this book about kindness, because I think that it's something we talk about a lot. We hear this phrase of random acts of kindness all the time. Um, And, you know, some of us are great at every once in a while buying the coffee in the Starbucks line for the person behind us or something like that. But we don't ever really take it into, I think, a daily practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if you look up kindness, actually, if you look Look up most definitions in the dictionary. They're definitions, descriptions of things from the observer's point of view. Mm-hmm. So like to sit. If you look up to sit, it says to rest upon one's buttocks or thighs. Mm-hmm. But if I tell that to a child with cerebral palsy, just rest upon your buttocks or thighs, it doesn't make any sense to them. Right. And even in kindness, it talks about 
things like being generous or empathic or compassionate, which are important, valuable, mm -hmm. but they don't tell the definitions don't say how to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of been the big interest of me. Like, how do we practice this? How do we make kindness a daily practice? And the random ones are great. They're kind of exciting and story, great stories. But if we can do something every day to generate more kindness towards ourselves and towards others, I think that's 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 something really worth practicing. Hmm. And I'm curious. I know it's a a very large question, but how do we start doing that? Oh, it's not such a large question. That's that's okay. what I wrote about. Perfect. <laughs> it's like everyday things, and we can do it in so many different ways. So you know, if if I if I combine it with this idea of liking ourselves, mm -hmm. more I can tell you a story that's in the book. When I was 19, I moved out of my parents' house, mm -hmm. and at 19, I already decided I wasn't good at anything. Mm. It's kind of silly because at 19, I haven't done anything long enough to be a failure at it yet, you mm -hmm. know. And I thought, I'm going to teach myself to do one thing well. Mm. And I just was fortunate. I came up with a simple idea. I'm going to learn to brush my teeth well. Wow. I never was good at it, you know. Mm -hmm. I just was lazy. And the good thing about this choice was if I didn't do it, no one knew. Maybe mm -hmm. the dentist. He probably mm -hmm. knew already. Right? <laughs> so I would practice this twice a day. And over time, I became skillful at it. But what was really interesting was in practicing it or not practicing it, I saw all the ways in which I sabotaged myself. Mm. That I would not do it and then beat myself up. Or I would do it for a shorter time and I'd beat myself up. Or I'd I would do it and feel really good about myself. And, you know, all these extremes weren't that useful until eventually I thought, oh, I can actually brush my teeth well. Mm. You know, and so starting, and so that, that helped me like myself more. Mm. And that can be seen as an act of kindness towards ourselves, which that's, that's actually not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when I was writing the book, and I got to the part about being kind to ourselves. I got blocked for about five years. Wow. Yeah, because I realized I have a lot to learn about this skill. Mm. So starting with a simple task, <clears throat> we can investigate things like like uh, generosity. So generosity's, generosity is often equated with kindness. Be so mm -hmm. generous. It's kind, whatever. And... I don't think they're the same thing. I think generosity can be an act of kindness, but it can also be self-serving, mm. right? And as a way of pumping up my own self-image in some way. When in fact, what is it a genuine act of giving? And of course, to understand that, I think we need to understand what it means to receive too. Because mm. I know many people who are very generous, but can't receive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and the reverse, too. There are ones who are really good at receiving, but they don't give back very much. You know? Mm -hmm. So here's an example. So if you go to a restaurant, whatever you tip, whether it's 10%, 15%, 20%, I don't care. But for every $5 you tip, give an extra dollar. Mm -hmm. Not a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this always has to be understood within one's means. 
So you're not just carelessly giving away money, but if you can give, so if the, if the tip is $20, that's $4 more. I can't tell you how um, happy the, the servers are when mm -hmm. you do that. They notice it. Thank you. Once, when I was actually writing this chapter in the book, I went out to dinner with some friends in a local place, and then I picked up the check. It was about $70. And I thought, okay, I'll leave 20%. That's $85. And I thought, no, I'll leave more. And I had a $100 bill in my pocket. And I, I thought, I'll give that. And then I kind of clenched. Mm. I went, that's too much. What am I doing? I can't do it. And I went, wow, I had no idea. I was stuck in my <clears throat> relationship with myself like that. And I ended up leaving the $100. Mm. And when I got to the door, the, the wig person came up to me and said, you just made my night. Mm -hmm. And I thought, huh, I have to practice that more. So I, I talk about many things, but that's just a couple that can move us in the direction of bringing more kindness to the world, really, what we need. I love that. I think hearing you talk about when you're 19 and learning, focusing the skill of brushing your teeth, like that is so humbling. And also, you know, we think about like, do we have to make these grand schemes or things, but my goodness, paying attention to brushing your teeth well as an act of kindness for yourself. That is so simple and also such a challenge. Yeah. You know, when it really broke down years later, when I got an electric toothbrush that had a two minute timer. Yep. <laughs> I thought 30 seconds, this can't be, it's gotta be two minutes already. Yeah. What's going on? And even though I thought I was brushing my teeth well, I probably did the whole thing in 25 seconds, right. not two minutes, mm -hmm. you know? So oh. It's funny how we keep returning to these things and learning about them in different ways and mm -hmm. benefiting from it, yeah. Oh. And I love that you also highlight this piece of receiving and that being also a way that we have to kind of implement that kindness because I think you're so right. We see it very extreme. I mean, many of the things I think we notice are in extremes, but um, where we have those people that are, we kind of label them as greedy or these kind of negative connotations and things always receiving or taking and these other people that are overgiving or putting themselves on the back burner. And it's interesting as a counselor, I talk so often with clients about this idea of having to put boundaries because you're not being kind to yourself when you're putting other people's needs above your own. So I love that you highlighted doing this within your own means can still be a beautiful way to implement kindness. Creating boundaries is, is a big part of learning to like ourselves more. Mm -hmm. I think that that's where people get really fuzzy with their edges about things, you mm -hmm. know? And the question is, for most people, when they're new to the idea of forming a boundary, mm -hmm. many people do it with a kind of harshness. Mm -hmm. And that's different than being firm. Mm. I can be firm about a boundary. I can be clear. And I don't need to have an energetic thing on my voice or get leaned forward. It's just like I have to learn how to say no to something. So mm. I had a student once in a training, and she came up with me with what she thought was a brilliant idea. <laughs> she said to me, she explained the idea. And I said, no. She mm. said, no? What do you mean? I said, no. And she said, I thought this work is about being flexible. I said, 
it is, but it's also about knowing when not to be flexible. Mm-hmm. You can't have one without the other. And then I spent some time with her and I explained why I said no mm-hmm. and all the ramifications if we implemented that, this would happen, this could happen, that might happen. And at the end, she understood. Mm-hmm. That I didn't push her away harshly mm-hmm. and I took the time to explain it. And, and that's a, another thing is, is the idea of really giving someone your attention. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds easy, but it's not so easy. You know? It's not. Yeah, I, I think even, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about that, giving somebody my attention, it makes me think I have a toddler son and he constantly needs my attention, right? But it's different. I can tell very much when I've had intentional time with him where I'm focusing on, you know, today we we did finger painting. So we focused on finger painting. Um, but it's very different if I'm, you know, texting on my phone or thinking about my to-do list or even if I'm sitting there with them, it is very different. So I, I think that spending that time and giving the attention is also, like you said, a beautiful way to implement kindness without giving something physical or monetary like you were talking about. And he knows the difference. Mm-hmm. He does. I mean, it's clear, you know... <clears throat> I was on a plane once coming back from Europe and uh, I was on the aisle and there were two women sitting across the aisle. One was by the window and one woman was Asian and the other woman, she was kind of special. I don't know how else to say it. And she was like talking like crazy the whole time. And blah, 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 blah. And, oh, I could see my luggage. Look, can you see your luggage? And this poor Asian woman was trying to read and this mm-hmm. woman keeps talking. You Japanese, I've never met a Japanese. No, I, I'm Korean. No, I've never met a Korean person either. And I thought, oh, eight hours of that. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. And I went to my book. And, and a little while later, I turned around and the Korean woman was gone. And the other woman, she tried to catch my eyes, but I just kept going. And an hour or two later, I turned around again and the Korean woman was back. And I said, I'm sorry, I've got to ask what happened. And she said, well, she was driving me crazy. So I complained to the flight attendants and they put me in business class. Hmm. I said, so how'd you get back here? And she said, the other woman wanted her chance in business class. And I thought for the poor person in business class. Hmm. Well, an hour or two later, I turn around again and the other woman is back. And this time she locks into my eyes and I could feel myself pulling away. Mm-hmm. And I caught it and I, I went, no. And I kind of leaned forward and I started talking with it. Mm-hmm. I think we must have talked for about five minutes. And mm-hmm. then I said, I'm going to go back to my book now. And she went, okay. And I thought about it a lot, you know, because someone like that, I imagine that person is kind of needy and, um, what's the word, hungry for attention in a way mm-hmm. with everybody. And I, I would imagine that the vast majority of her experiences with other people is they're pulling away and avoiding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I tell the story, sometimes people say, but if I do that with people, they're going to want to be friends. And I said, well, okay, this was on a plane. It was a limited amount of time. But I've done that in other contexts, and I haven't found that to be true. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to give someone our attention, I, I was going to say full attention, but you know what? I'm not sure what that means. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
to give more attention mm-hmm. to someone. It takes some practice. And, you know, you asked me at the beginning how I got here, and there's actually a, another story. So years ago, quite a number of years now, my dad had run out of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, my brother and I were able to help him out and support him. And then he developed dementia. Mm-hmm. We finally had to put him in a home. And he was living in Florida with his wife. And we found this nice home for him. And of course, my brother and I paid for it. And summer came and his wife was going back to New York for, for the summer to be with her grandkids and kids. And I thought, my dad's going to be all alone. And mm-hmm. I was never close to my dad. And there was no animosity, but he's kind of an absent father. And he was a high dad, you know, kind of thing. And I thought, no one's going to visit him. No one's there this summer. And I started calling him every day. Mm-hmm. And I did that for three years. In my book, I call it five minutes a day. And it gives someone your attention. And you know what? Five minutes, count how many five minutes there are in a day. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. It's not. Five minutes is a long time mm-hmm. when you're really trying to pay attention to someone. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's another kind of practice. And, you know, the, the practices are graded. So if five minutes is too much, give one minute. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's three minutes of thinking about someone. You're not even with them. Mm-hmm. But to intentionally... Create the circumstances that you do an action, an action like that. Because mm-hmm. kindness without action is just a nice idea. Mm. You know, I don't think it comes to much of anything. So. You know, I feel like I'm sitting here and I could just listen to your stories all day. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I just think you're highlighting such beautiful points. And, you know, as you tell that story, I'm over here and I can feel like emotion kind of like coming up for me. Um, and it just reminded me of my grandpa. I, um, my grandpa lived in upstate New York. He lived by himself. He was 94 when he passed away. Um, and he, didn't have really anybody up there, but didn't want to leave was, um, you know, he had like his neighbors and things like that, but he didn't have any family up there. Um, but I did the same thing. I would call him. I didn't call him every day, but we would talk at least, you know, once a week. And I just remember like growing up, it was always time like, okay, time to call grandpa. And we'd call my grandpa and do that. And then as we got older, my family stopped and I didn't. Um, but it wasn't even like, Thank you. It wasn't even one of those things of like the kindness just for him. I noticed it was kindness for myself because it was a time that I was actually giving someone my attention. And when he passed away, I didn't even realize the impact that he was having on my life because it was a way that I was also slowing down to engage with someone and be present with someone. So I think it was a beautiful way you were talking about where kindness was on really both sides of that. Yeah. I like my dad, yeah, I called him every day, and he knew who I was, luckily, but sometimes the phone was upside down, or I'd put it down, right. talking all that, and I would get to visit him a few times a year. But s- since he's passed, which is quite a long time now, I have other relationships like that. Mm-hmm. Some young people, some older people, and it's not every day. Maybe it's once a week or once a month, mm-hmm. but I make sure I do it. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you, the tricky part is what I think of it, there's another part of me that often goes, 
I don't feel like it. And I have to kind of differentiate from that and say, just do it. Mm-hmm. And once I do it, I feel relieved. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're always happy to hear from me, even if they can't stay on the phone long or something. Right. But I know that it, it has a value to them. It's, it's worth pursuing. Mm. I love that. So, you know, as we're talking about this part and we're talking about liking ourselves more, how do we even kind of conceptualize that piece of like liking ourselves more? What does that even kind of mean? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say that liking ourselves more, it, it can show up in a lot of different ways. It can show up in terms of accepting ourselves and who we are, it, it can show up, the action of learning to like ourselves more can show up in learning how not to get caught up in our internal conversations, mm. ruminating on things or looping on things. I think the, there's a feeling of satisfaction and less wanting. This, is, this may sound a little strange, but I haven't told this story to anyone, I think, so... Uh, if it's a good one. Yeah, luck, so, yes. <laughs> so, so, so my teacher, Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais, he was a physicist, an engineer, one of the first Westerners to get a black belt in judo, mathematician, a real genius. I, mm-hmm. I've only met a couple of geniuses in my life. This guy was a real renaissance man. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. So maybe you weren't born in the United States. And, uh, yeah. and um, he, back then, there was a thing called Telstar. And Telstar was a satellite that could broadcast to millions of people. Now, it's an idiotic idea because we have Zoom, the internet. I mean, we do it all the time, so it doesn't mm-hmm. make any difference. But he kept talking about that as one of his dreams. And in a funny way, he planted that seed in all of us who studied with him. And when COVID came, and all of a sudden, me and my colleagues couldn't teach live, we were all doing things on Zoom, and honestly, I didn't. It, it wasn't my favorite thing, mm-hmm. you know. And I had one colleague who was getting like three hundred people for a class on Zoom, mm-hmm. and I mean, not only was it a lot of money, it's like, wow, that's you know, what? Well, oh, I should. And people would say, you should be doing that. You have a hot mailing list, and I went, I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's not what I want to do. I mean, even if I can get 49 people on a big screen, you can't scroll through six screens to do that, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I started thinking about it. And I thought, well, what, what would make me like myself more? Because that's a good example of that's something that's really strong in our culture that we would all, we would, I would like myself more if I was famous. Mm-hmm. Or if I, if I had this, or if I, if I was well-known for that. And the fact is, I sat back one day, and I look, I have to say, I've been very fortunate because I have taught thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And I've looked back and I've gone, I've influenced a lot of people. Yeah, I don't have a million likes, but, you know, who cares how many of those I get? Right? Mm-hmm. So if I can be satisfied with who I've become and what I'm doing, I think that's the way I've liked ourselves more. But then I have to add to that which is to like ourselves more, we have to be able to fulfill or at least go in the direction of what we want. Mm. What do we want our lives to be like? Who do we want to be? 
we need to practice these things. Mm -hmm. See, maybe I only get a quarter of the way there, but I was on the right path, mm -hmm. you know, to do something. And as long as I'm on the path, I can like myself more. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to measure it by what comes back to me. And I'll tell you the the. I think we've all read articles, and you know, I mean, like movie stars. The whole thing is about being famous and millions of people going after. It's like, but the people who do that, who are famous like that, they're hiding most of the time. Mm -hmm. Their yeah. life has been challenged. Famous. I I felt it myself at conferences where I'm known because in my community, mm -hmm. and I start all these people approaching me, and it's pretty uncomfortable. It is. It's like, well, I. I'm not sure I like this. And they start hiding and their lives can become narrow because of it. So I think we, we think we want these things. But then when we get them, it's kind of like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Hmm. So, so some ideas about how we can like ourselves more. I think that is a beautiful way to put it. And kind of what it brought back for me, the full circle of you said kind of practicing going in that direction. Right. So it just made me think of practicing, like brushing your teeth to make it as simple as kind of that of bringing it back to it. I think that's a beautiful kind of full circle moment with how we do like ourselves with acts of kindness. Yeah. yeah. So here's something interesting. So mm -hmm. when I was an actor, I worked with a man named Jerzy Gortowski from, from the Polish state laboratory. And he was, a huge influence in the avant-garde theater a long time ago in New York, and all the world, actually. And um, I hadn't seen him for a number of years. I worked with him in France and Poland and America, and I was invited to a screening of a film about his more recent work with ancient songs. Mm -hmm. And I, got, I was in New York, and I got there, and I mean, the top people in the New York theater were there. It was really like, mm -hmm. wow, it's pretty cool. And, and I went up to him. I said, "Yours, I haven't seen you for a while. I'm wondering if we could have a talk at dinner." And he said, "I'm leaving in three days." And I said, "So am I." So we met the next night. At that point, I was an assistant trainer in the Feldenkrais night. and I said to him, "Look, I'm, I'm in a funny transitional point. I'm becoming more and more the teacher for people, but I'm also looking for a teacher, and I, I'm, I'm trying to find my own voice." Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he said, how did Feldenkrais find his own voice? And I said, through his bad knees, through his own infirmity. And he went, hmm. And I went, hmm, what's my infirmity? And I thought, is it my height? Because I'm not that tall. I hmm. thought, no, I've got a mistaken idea of that. Is it my humor? No, that's more of a compulsion. And for years, this question would drift up in the background. What's my infirmity? And I drift away with you. And then I started teaching this idea of helping people like themselves more. Hmm. And after some years of doing that, the question popped up in the background, what's my infirmity? And I went, oh, I didn't like myself. Hmm. I didn't. And I want to be also clear, I'm still learning to like myself. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm not saying, oh, I'm done with that. And as a matter of fact, each next step to like myself more is harder. Because hmm. it's, it's like the things in the book, I'm pretty good at those things, I think. Yeah. But then the next step for me to become kinder, to like myself more, that's a tough. Can I, can I read you something? Please. Yeah. 
So this is, uh, it's in the book, it's, it's a quote from Ram Das. And he says, when you go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees. And some of them are bent. Sort of understand that it didn't get enough light, and so it just turned that way. And you don't get all emotional about it. Just allow it. The minute you get near humans, you lose all that. You're constantly saying, you're to this, and I'm to this. That judgment mind comes in. And so I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. Mm. So that, that's a, that kind of describes for me what feels like one of my next steps in developing myself like this is. So, you know, like I travel a lot. <clears throat> And I, I'm sure we all do this. I catch myself in an airport looking at someone and making up a story. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative, but it's all my fantasy. And then it's like, how do I not do that exactly? You know. So I thought, well, the quote's too long to remember, right? So I finally came up with a simple way. When I, if I catch myself doing that, I just go tree. Love it. And I can see that it just dissolves. The whole makeup story that I made is gone, and I'm just looking at a person. And so, but again, I'm not thinking that I'm going to get rid of this judgmental mind. But I, I'm finding, and I'm hoping more and more, that I'll spend less time dwelling in the judgmental mind. Mm. So that I move on a little faster, don't get as caught up in, you know, mm-hmm. that and it's more forgiving towards people too. But when I'm upset with someone, I don't need to stay upset with them. That's, that's the value of that. Right. Doesn't doesn't help something. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't move us beyond it. You know, you were just gripping and staying angry at something. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's like that quote, and I always butcher it, but it's. The gist of it is that holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting it to impact somebody else. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. I, know yeah, I can't remember who it's from. I think it's a Buddhist quote. I think it might be uh, Rami, yeah. but um, yeah, but it's exactly what it made me think of. I love that you read that and shared that with us. And I know we're getting tight on time and I've enjoyed our conversation so much. If you could leave our listeners with one thing, what would it be? I would say that I would hope that this conversation would be just a seed that gets planted in you to start bringing more kindness towards yourself and towards others. But looking at it as something to that you can learn to be more skillful at, get better at. And don't be daunted by your failures and mistakes. Move on from them and... Because we're the ones who need to make the world kinder. Each mm-hmm. of us individuals. It doesn't happen. There's no corporation that's going to do it. We know that, right? Right. <laughs> so we need to, each of us in our own lives, take a, a little bit, a little step each day towards that. So that's what I would hope for. I love that. Well, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us today. For our listeners, I appreciate your time. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate you spending it here with us. I'm going to put all of Alan's information in the episode notes, including his newest book um, that we were referencing uh, so that you can check that out. And again, thank you so much, Alan.
Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.